the One Two Football Podcast. The voices of tomorrow here today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the One Two Football Podcast. I'm Nathan here with Ollie. I do not want to talk about Monday's fixture because my team, Liverpool, took a beating on behalf of Ollie's team. I did not think it would go like that. I'm sure, Ollie, you are very happy right now. Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing. Firstly, I honestly thought you were just going to I do not want to talk about Kieran because <laughs> I thought. No, no, Kieran, yeah, Kieran's not here. Kieran's not showed up. Uh, we're not sure what he's doing. He did say he had Wi Fi issues earlier in the day, so maybe that works, so we don't know. Anyway, I thought you were going to rant on him then. But no, let, no. let's talk about Man United and Liverpool because it might be the only win we get ever now. No, uh, yeah, what a surprise. We won't go too much into it. You know, it was quite a while ago. We're going to look forward now to sort of, you know, the end of mostly going to be about transfers. Um, yeah, so that, today is a transfer yeah. episode. We're talking about coming up, what the teams need, what what who could they need, and also looking at some of the current rumours that are spreading around heading up to deadline day, which is not too far away I think now. it's six days or something like that. For us, anyway, in this current, but I feel like that seems too short. I feel like there should be more. But I read the other day it was seven days, and I feel like that was yesterday. So I'm not sure. <laughs> but um, but we'll, we'll do. We have a look at that. Do you want to figure that out? Just why I quickly say something what about is the that chance Go on. Yeah. Well, it, to be honest, um, I was shocked. I think everyone was shocked. I think that if you were to put this though in comparison against when Man United were at the prime, we were so far off it still. The only reason why we looked so good is because we have previously looked so bad. But don't take that away. Massive improvement from Brentford, you know. So so little time in between that and the Liverpool game. And you can't believe it was the same team out there playing. But I think questions need to be raised just as much as praise on Man United as questions on, on Liverpool. And, and it is. It is being uh, questions asked of them. Um, Rashford, it was brilliant to see him. Him, you know, with the confidence again going at Liverpool. He always does quite well against Liverpool, though, to be honest. So I don't think that's too much of a, of a shot. But to see him, you know, that confidence to actually dribble past players, take that shot off. Uh, I'm not sure if you actually did see it, Nathan, because I know you you uh, turned the game off. But <laughs> Rashford's nearly got the goal of season, as Kieran said. Yeah, I stopped watching around there. Yeah. yeah, that was uh, incredible. I think he took it past two, three players. And then, you know, outside the box, curled in the top end. What a tent that was. And that just shows the confidence was flowing through him. And I hope this was a, a good catalyst for the, the rest of the season. And, you know, with the way it's going, you know, and uh, the news coming out about Ten Hag that uh, I'm not sure if, obviously, Nathan, you've heard it. We spoke about it briefly on, on Twitter, um, but of him joining in on the punishment he gave to the players after that heavy defeat. I think that just shows, you know, it's everyone's united as United should be um, at the club. And, you know, a little pun there. We love that. Um, and I think it just goes, it's, it's much better. You couldn't have seen this happening with any of any other managers necessarily. Maybe Ollie was the most likely because he was just a nice guy, it seemed. Uh, not the greatest manager, but a nice guy. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, I think it just bodes well for us, you know. It, everyone's in line. It seems like everyone's heading in the right direction, both on and off of the pitch, um, if you're basing it off one game. But look, we got hammered in the first two games season. I'm not getting too carried away. Liverpool versus Man United, in a way, it's not really the best thing to judge it on because they always are a bit out of the blue. You never know what's going to happen with that. It's going to be interesting to see how Man United do against one of the lower teams, against Southampton, um, in two days' time for us, or a day time for you when it comes out um, tomorrow on Friday, because Man United had so little of possession against these smaller teams. We're going to have mm. to, or the so-called smaller teams, we're going to have to have more possession. And it'll be interesting to see how we can do that, because this was a thing with other managers. We were great when we had no possession, but when we had the ball and we had to break teams down, we couldn't do it. So can Ten Hag, you know, uh, develop us to be able to do that? Not sure. We've not seen it yet. It hasn't worked so far against lower teams, but like we said, we're not here to talk about Man United last before. We talk about transfers and uh, have we yeah. got the uh, transfer deadline day? How many far? How many days? Yeah, it? uh, it's on the first of September, so I believe that is. 
He hasn't even seven, calculated it. What are you doing? Days. You had one job. <laughs> seven days away. Seven, seven days, days away. Oh, maybe I've read seven days away today. Away. <laughs> yeah, a week away. But, a week yeah, away. seven days a week today. Yeah, Thursday, the 1st of September, 11 p.m. That is when the deadline sh- is slammed shut. And the, the first thing I want to talk about, well, just to lead in for Manchester United, Liverpool, we're going to talk about transfers. We need to talk about Liverpool. We need to talk about the problem position, the crisis position that Liverpool have, and that is midfield. I mean, I think everyone saw it. All of the problems Liverpool had um, on Monday basically stemmed from that midfield. James Milner, club, not legend, but icon, has been along for a long time. He's played very well for us, but his time is up as a first-team player. He should not be starting games against Manchester United in 2022. He had a stinker. And the only the, the only thing he did well was shout at Van Dijk, who also had a massive stinker. But the problem with our midfield at the minute is it's it's affecting us in every area. It's stopping our attacks. It's made, you know, we saw against Palace when we were just lobbing it, lobbing it, lobbing it. It was just so, absolutely ridiculous. Henderson has, has been a different player to what he's been previously and not in a good way. He's been very poor. Three of the goals we've conceded this season have been from him giving the ball away. It, that is not the Henderson that I I know that we know as, as sort of the reliable player in possession, the leader. It, he's really been off the boil, and it's not a good time as well, considering we're coming up to a World Cup. It's not good for him anyway. But it, it's clear that we need a midfielder, and and the problem I have with it is I know we're trying to sign one, but we're not trying to sign one now. We're trying to sign one next year, which, which makes no sense to me because the problem is now. The problem, you know, we can wait next year. We can we can get Jude Bellingham. There's no guarantees we get Jude Bellingham because they might he might go to Real Madrid like most of our targets seem to do. So, are we just going to sit out and be complacent and say no, no, we're fine? And I understand we do have injuries there, but if we do not have midfielders that are consistently available, we we cannot rely on Thiago and Chiesa to stay fit. And and it's at times like this where, where I miss Wijnaldum. I really miss Wijnaldum because and it's not even necessarily an ability thing. It's just because he was there. He was always available. He was most of the time selectable. The Thiago, as good as he is, is fantastic. He's not that selectable. Often, you know, he gets injured. That and that happens. Kate, he gets injured. That happens. But we, we, that tells everyone we cannot rely on these players. Harvey Elliott's fantastic, but he cannot carry the midfield by himself. Henderson is, as I say, been really poor. Milner's just not good enough anymore. And it's a shame, but he, he just isn't. And and it, and like I said it affects our defense as well. I think it. While Trent's had such a bad start to the seasons, especially defensively, is because normally there's a midfielder there to, to track, to, to do those things that allow Trent to do his thing. But there's there's just no one there. Harvey Elliott playing on that side can't do it. Um, and that's not on him because he's not that type of player. You know, so it, it's again, it, it's what, what do you want? And we really need a midfielder. But the rumours are saying that we are going for the, ma- the most wanted man in the Premier League, Frankie De Jong. And I'm all for it because, again, he can play in central midfield, which is why I'm all for it. I, I think we should have been on Lucas Pequeta, who is looked to go to West Ham. We may talk about that later. But Frankie Dion to Liverpool, will he finally get his Premier League? Uh, hopefully yeah. at Manchester United, to be honest. Because um, we're spending big at the moment. But, yeah, no, Liverpool. Before I talk about Frankie Dion, I just want to say one thing that you've said, or actually two words that epitomise your midfield, and, and you said that a minute ago, is injuries 
or injured, should I say, uh, and just old. Um, you either got half your play people are always out injured. I don't think, I think Thiago and Keita are probably two of the most injury prone midfielders in, in world football. And then you've got Henderson and Milner, who are both, you know, their expiration date is closing in. And for Milner, it seems, closing in fast. Um, oh, so yeah, so, so you need to, you do need to sort that out. Um, I think I saw something the other day. It's the same team since like 2018 or something. We've or signed the... one midfielder since 2018, 20, 2019, I think. Yeah, I think I saw the start in 11. Start on 11, yeah, start on 11 against, I think it was Leicester or something in 2018 to start on 11 against Man United. I think there was only like one or two players maybe different in it, which yeah. just shows you, yeah, okay, it's worked for Klopp. You know, those players are great players. Don't, it, it, you know, your, 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 what's your success in the past doesn't lie. But there's a, there's, I think you're doing what so many teams do is that they rely on the players that have gotten that far and they, they think in the now and then you look at the past and, I think that was really easy. You know, Liverpool had a horrid time like a decade or so ago and it slowly improved. And now you've got these players and you're like, yeah, okay, this is our team. We're great. But you look at it now and it's a very old, ageing squad. You know, you can say the same about Real Madrid in a way. You know, they've had a very similar team, but they are bringing in young players now and you're slowly seeing that. They've signed Camavinga to yeah. come in and stuff like that. And uh, the Tuchemeni or whatever from Monaco is coming. And they're, so they're bringing in these players and Liverpool need to do the same thing. You know, you can't be well beaters if you've got a 33-year-old, 30-year-old, whatever they are, in your midfield running that show because they're not running the show. At the moment, you are, you know, three games in the Premier League season without a win. And Frankie Dion, yeah, okay, he's won by Chelsea, Man United. But I think if he was to go to anyone, it would be Liverpool. And I think Liverpool really do need to take this. Like we said, it's only a rumour. We don't know how true it is. Some people are saying it is pretty, you know, they're having a serious look into it. But I honestly don't see Klopp signing a midfielder. I just no, think he's got too it. much faith. It's, it's not Klopp, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't see the owners. I don't see the transfer people signing a player. I don't that, know. I'm sure Klopp has a say, but I don't think it's as much as people think. No, I, I, I don't. You said, unfortunately, I don't actually think that's a bad thing. I think Man United have put, I've said yeah, before, true, too yeah. much in on Ten Hag. But I think not just Klopp, though, but I think everyone at the club is in the mindset, you know, this team has won us so much in the past. Why will it not win us it now? We can save a little bit of money and then we can put all of this money in because De Jong's going to be a big signing. You know, Liverpool aren't, they've just signed, you know, they signed a massive amount of money for Nunez. That's probably what they typically do. They don't spend massives yeah. all in one go. You normally sign a big player here, a big player next season, stuff like that. So I think you've done that big signing. And like you said, Drew Bellingham for next season. But like I said, you can't bank on that. You can't bank on signing someone a year down the line. You need a fix now. He's not going to want to join you if you don't have Champions League football. So you need exactly. to get someone in now. But De Jong is a big amount of money. But Liverpool have got that. You don't spend that. Yeah, you it spend will... a lot of money, but... You know. The thing is, the thing is that the Liverpool transfer strategy of recent years has been it's only the perfect player, and and that's fine. That served us very well in a lot of occasions. We didn't panic and sign Ben Mee when we needed a centre back. We waited and signed Virgil Van Dijk. We, we you know with goalkeeper when Mignolet and Karius were struggling, we didn't just go right. We need to we we didn't just straight away act and bring in anyone. We didn't bring in you know I don't know who was linked with us at the time, but we waited to bring in Allison. So at times that this transfer strategy of let's wait until the perfect player comes available works for us, but most of the time, but this isn't most of the time. It's a different situation where their problem has become crystal clear, and there is no necessarily clear perfect player. Well, Jude Bellingham is that player. There's no clear. We are definitely going to get this guy. Whereas it kind of felt like with Van Dijk, we were always going to get Van Dijk. We we're always going to get Allison. So it, it doesn't feel the same as it did with those players. The fix is needed now because. The level is is too far off the rest of the Premier League. I've seen Marcus Lorente possibly being a, an option from Atletico Madrid. 
I'd I'd be interested in Liverpool doing that, pursuing that. I think he's a great player. He's given us a lot of problems in the past. Um, in in a couple of games we played against Atletico, um, so I, I just hope that we we have, we slightly abandon this perfect player strategy. We just go and we just look for someone. And I I don't want to panic buy, but I mean you've got you've got enough days. You must have enough targets. If your strategy is just do better than your strategy is bad, you need to do more. You need to have more than that. And it, hopefully we'll get a midfielder because I, I don't think, you know, it's going to be this huge crisis season. We're going to finish 15th or anything like that. But we, there, there is, I cannot see us mounting a title charge if nothing changes. I don't think we will anyway. But I, I was looking at midfield and, I, and watching us play. I was thinking, oh, we're not going to get top four if they keep playing like this. But also after where we do have nine players out, which is quite, quite a lot. Of players. It is quite but, a lot. <laughs> but that's the, that's the problem. And that's, part, that's the problem when we don't have enough. We haven't replaced Origi yet. We haven't replaced Minamino, um, so you know they're, they're, we don't always replace our players either. So we, you saw our bench on on that was it? There was five. Yeah, young it wasn't. Players. It wasn't a great great bench. Just um, moving on to another team. You know we want to yeah. have a look at a few teams here. Moving on to another team, which on the pitch are in similar disarray to Liverpool. Off the pitch, you saying have they got a one man shortlist? This team seemed to have a one billion man shortlist, but they can't get anyone. It's West Ham. David Moyes has come out and said that if he was to tell you who he's gone for and how many people they've gone for, we would laugh at him. He said that in a press conference. That made me laugh in itself. I want to know who they've gone for and how many names are on this list that have failed to go to. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, to be honest, I'm shocked. West Ham is a great project to go to at the moment. Maybe not at this current time. You know, the bottom of the Premier League table. But, you know, we were only saying in the pre-season um, predictions how you know West Ham's really exciting. They're one of the teams that you can actually see fully cementing their their breakaway from the league. You know, left how Leicester did a little bit. Um and so, so I'm a bit shocked. Uh, I mean, they're they're looking like they could be signing a, a midfielder now. Midfielder, yeah. Lucas Lucas Paqueta looks like he's coming in. I think that's a great signing. He's got plenty of caps for Brazil's national team, and you know, if you play for Brazil's national team, you can't be that bad. So you, you, he's a good player, and he's a, probably a necessary player to come in that team. They they've not been as good in the midfield as they they have been of late. Suchek's been a bit off the boil. Um, the, to be fair to West Ham, I mean, their losses haven't been the worst ever. Man City was a given. Forest, they were better than Forest. They should have not lost that game. Brighton's been, you know, one of the best teams so far this season. So I don't think it's all doom and gloom for West Ham. But if they can add in Lucas Paqueta, I think they will look good. And again, I would, I would quickly move back to bloody gone for him. But <laughs> for a midfielder, for a Brazil senior midfielder, I mean, I can't say I know an awful lot about him. But I know better than we have. But he's going to be, he should be a real fantastic player for West Ham. I know he had a lot of hype around him before he went to AC Milan. I'm not sure if that move particularly panned so well for him, but. He's gone to Leon. He's cemented himself as as a regular player there, and he's showing everyone now that, that there's a reason why there was so much hype around him. I remember a lot of hype around his work rate, and I think that will suit David Moyes down to a tier. David Moyes team, West Ham, they need the players like that, and I think they'll get out of this slump that they're in. Um, I'm not sure who they've got on the weekend, but I'm, I'm sure that they'll, they'll score themselves a win very sooner rather than later. I know that they've got a Europa League game. Or Aston Villa, game. Aston Villa, they've got so, perfect. Yeah, that, so they'll, a, they'll yeah. score a win on the weekend, and then they'll, they'll go ahead. And, <laughs> if they don't, yeah, then it's serious it's trouble. If they don't, oh, go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll touch on uh, Lucas Packer or however you say his name, because I just absolutely uh, <laughs> demolished that one. Um, <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. He is a he's not he's not a defensive midfielder, is he? He's an attacking no. uh, midfielder. He's he's a very technical player um, with his you know passing range, and I'm pretty sure he's uh, 
got quite a shot on him as well, if I uh, am I thinking of the right guy here. So it'll be quite interesting because when you look at the West Ham team, you've always said that they need to sign a striker. They did that in Samaka. We've always said, you know, they needed to strengthen a little bit around their, their defensive issues and in, in centre-back and stuff like that because they haven't got great depth in defence. I don't really think they've actually done that. Mid- they got Kerr in, didn't they, from PSG and he had a stinking baby. Oh, yeah. He is uh, there. Yeah, okay. So they have done that again. Midfielders always one of the places, you know, you looked at them and you thought they were, if anything, they were okay there. It's probably one of the better positions. You know, you've got Rice, you've got um you have two Thomas Suset, like you said, you've got all these players that can play there. So it'll be interesting. They've got a really good squad when you look at it. Um and I don't think they need to be this desperate in the transfer window, like apparently David Moyes is, is hinting that they've been, because I think maybe they are panicking a little bit. I'm not sure. I'm not in there. But for me, you know, to, for him to have said they've gone for all these players, people have turned down, you know, the list is endless. I'm like, why? You've had such a good win uh, season, yeah. the last couple of seasons. You've got the striker that you've really needed. You look at that squad, you think, you know what, you're in a good position. Don't need to be begging. It's probably going to put more players off knowing they're the 100th man on your shortlist. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, who do you want to move on to next? I'm just looking at this. And All right, like, they're the most exciting transfer of the window. Newcastle Football Manager United. Alexander I is coming in at 70 million. That is a statement signing if I've ever seen one from a team that are looking to establish themselves fresh off one of the best performances they've probably ever had in well not ever had but had in the last five ten years where eddie howe almost almost outclassed pep guardiola very so close, close, but, so close, so close but he but, but i mean isaac is a, is a fantastic signing and it's one that might, might not make the most sense they've got callum wilson they've got chris wood but callum wilson's very injury prone he's he's i think he's 30 or at least he's approaching 30. alexander isaac he's young he's hungry he's proven at least he's proven in, in Spanish football, maybe not in Premier League football, but he has the build, he has the physical requirements to play in the Premier League. He can play out on the right. If I was about to say, he's probably... also got the pace to play out wide. So you're saying they've got yeah. Wood and, and Wilson that he can also be used yeah. elsewhere. Howard said that he, they're only going to play one striker. That's how, they, how they're looking to play. That, that could be a bluff, obviously. The Isaac and Wilson, I mean, that's a lot of pace in your, in your front for, in front two. Um, obviously, you've got the same axeman. The one area where Newcastle aren't as strong is on that right side where where Almon has been and Ryan Fraser. They've obviously got the fantastic St. Maximan on the left. You don't need to change that. But if they can get Isaac in and, and he can sort of transition slightly to a right-sided player or just continue to be a great striker, I mean, I, Newcastle for me will be top seven certified See, for that. That's what I... Um, sorry for that in then. Um, no. <laughs> uh, uh, just that was that was so sad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, the thing that interests me though is that they were literally on the brink of signing Joe Pedro, or I think his name is, um, from from Watford. You know, a young uh, attacking talent, yeah. and they still are. You know, they still linked to them. Uh, I saw that Fabrizio tweeted or something saying that it's, they're now deciding whether or not they move forward with that. If they sign him and they got Isaac, they're going to have really good attacking depth. But like you said, they can't play them all in the formation that they play. Who are they going to? Who are they going to drop? Is Joe Pedro, you know, the sort of player? Fair, Wilson. Probably, uh, yeah, yeah, Wilson. But like Joe Pedro, the sort of person that can come into that team and start. I know he's a great young prospect, but I mean, I don't think I ever saw him and he never blew me away when he was at Watford. Granted, he was at Watford, he'd be in a much stronger team now. But I'm thinking I would still sign him, maybe, you know, having the sort of a rotation player that comes off the bench of that. We got five subs, remember? He'll probably get a lot of games. Yeah. So. And if Newcastle are serious about getting into Europe, Let's get more squad depth. You know, you yeah. you need it. You you know, injuries happen. All all these kind of things happen. There's nothing wrong with teams having squad depth. And and some people are saying, oh, what what are they going to do with Wilson? What are they going to do with Wood? That you know, they they're improving. That's what they're doing. They're improving on those options. 
both yeah. fantastic Premier League proven players, Callum Wilson and Chris Wood. But you cannot rely on Callum Wilson for a whole season. It's good. I think Callum Wilson's a very good striker, but you can't rely on him for a whole season. And Saint Chris Maxine. Wood. They both and so, yeah, exactly. And and so you need strong attacking options. You can't just hope that they stay fit because you you can't just can't do that at the highest level. So I think this is a great move for Newcastle. And, and actually, I've been really impressed by Newcastle's business and almost lack thereof of, of, of business because it shows that they're not just going gung ho. That we're just going to sign everyone. We've got loads of money. Let's sign Deli Ali. Let's sign all these older players that have got big names that can sell much. They're, they're going about this a smart way. Sven Botman, players like that, Bruno Gumrez, who's one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. You know, it, it, they are doing this. So I think they're doing it excellently. And, and with Sunday's performance, that again, I, I can't at this current time, I, I can really see them finishing sixth or seventh in the Premier League. Which I don't think I would have. They could, it could have happened, but I, I really see it. Yeah, you were just mentioning, you know, that, that they're really exciting. You can see them finish at high up. Before, like we said before, West Ham is the other team that I can see doing it. And their transfer strategy, like we just said, is so different. Newcastle are so relaxed. They're going for the perfect player. A bit like you said with Liverpool, but a bit more out there going for it. Whereas West Ham are a bit just all over the place. So it'll be interesting to see how the two compare. I mean, Newcastle look incredible. I watched them. It was probably one of the most exciting football matches I've seen in such a, mm. a long time. And to put Man City under that much pressure and make Man City look so open at the back and just so scared to actually like put a foot wrong because they know that Newcastle will attack them. Very rare that a team actually does that against against Man City. So credit where credit is due there for, for Newcastle. Right, so moving on to Newcastle's upcoming opponents, Wolves, we're seeing rumours and I think they've been quite public that Pedro Neto has been linked with a move away from, from Wolves, from, away from the black country to join Arsenal. Um, and it's an interesting one because the, Arsenal tried this when Pedro Neto was just 17 years old at Braga. Funnily enough, he also tried to sign Gabriel Jesus when he was also 17. So, I mean, Wenger, still so knowledgeable. So so many young players that Wenger goes for, they always they always seem to turn out to, to do well. We, we've seen the whole list of players that Wenger tried to sign to Arsenal's academy. But Pedro Neto to Arsenal, it's an interesting one mm. because he wouldn't probably start for Arsenal, I don't think. But again, what we just spoke about with Newcastle, there is nothing wrong with having depth. And if you're as serious as Arsenal are this season, I mean, why not? If Wolves are willing to part with their player, why not? That's the interesting thing. I'm, uh, I think it's £50 million, roughly, that they're looking for. So it's a big fee. And I personally just don't... He's a great player. Don't get me wrong, Neto. Um, and he's someone... He has the ability to be a great player. He's currently a good player. He's very... I think he's very hit and miss, though. He can be in this Wolves team. And it is Wolves. You need to remember this is a big step up. We'll have a lot better players around him. But £50 million just seems to me like quite a big gamble. If it pays off, a great gamble. I'm sure, you know, he'll be worth double that if he has just, like, one good season. Um, but... I just don't know if necessarily they need him. I think that they, they now are moving forward after Pepe, obviously, for Arsenal, has gone out on loan to... Is it... Is, nice, it? I think. Yeah, I was going to say French nice. club. I was going to say Marseille. But yeah, Nice. I think it is Nice. Um, and they've got him out now, so they have some wages off of off the books. So I think now they're looking at it. But yeah, like you said, I don't think he's going to start. Um, you know, you've got Saka. And it depends what formation they play as well. They're playing, they've been playing with like the fullbacks as well. And so Neto's not really a fullback. He's more of a, a winger. I know they keep changing. I know against the bigger teams they've been playing. Uh, against um, Crystal Palace, they started with fullbacks. And I think in the last game, they started with wingers, didn't they, more? With Saka as a, as a winger. So mm. they keep changing. But it'll be interesting to see if where he would fit in. Like Martinelli's on the form of his life. And... Um, I know Arteta's very, you know, big on him. He thinks he's going to be a great prospect, so I can't see him benching him. You're not going to bench um, Saka. You're not going to bench Gabriel Jesus. Um, 
So it'll be interesting to see where, where he sort of fits in. But like we've said, similar to, to Newcastle, five subs, you know, you can make them at any moment. You know, you saw Manchester United bring a Martial at half-time. Even if he does come on, that's 45 minutes for him to play and, you know, get that under his belt. And he's still a young member. It's not weird to think that at a massive, if he was at a massive team anyway, like we're saying here, he probably wouldn't be a starting player because he isn't that good of a talent currently. He's more of a prospect for the future in my eyes anyway. So uh, it'll be interesting. I think if I was him, I'd definitely take the move. You know, you're seeing Arsenal are very much going in a way of young players for the future. And they're very, a very exciting prospect to jump on board for now. Um, I thought Wolves would get relegated, but they're having a good start to the se- <laughs> or a decent start to the season. So, yeah. interesting. But, but yeah, I think for Neto, it's a, it's a no-brainer to go. For Wolves, I think £50 million. I think they might be think- seeing him, obviously, the prospect. They might be thinking they can get maybe a little bit more for him, um, especially if Arsenal are this hungry for him. But for Arsenal, I think Arsenal probably on, on the worst side of it because it's a big a big gamble for me. I think that he's more of a player that he's one of those players that you think you hear so many people say he's this, that, and the other that you get in your head that he is this good when really he yeah. actually hasn't got the performances to back it up yet, or that I've seen anyway. So it's an interesting one. It is an interesting. I, one. I, I think it's a case, and we'll just touch on it with another London club and their their love for overspending for players. It it's a case of the in, internal value of. Pedro Neto probably being a lot more than what his actual value is as a footballer because Wolves they're not they've not got the most amount of squad depth they they you know Pedro Neto is a big player for them attempts a lot of dribbles one of the sort of sparks in their team so they they see him as it's a classic Wilfred Zaha Declan Rice thing where it was Neto is not as important but it's that he he is more yeah. worth to the club who don't need to sell speaking of wingers that clubs want to overpay for Chelsea Anthony Gordon what are you doing? No. Bad move. £60 million. And We just said about external and internal value. And I understand Anthony Gordon is a really bright prospect for Everton. He is um, one, of the, one of their only attackers, but also one of their better attackers. Um, and is someone that can get fans off seats. He's come through the academy. I understand that he is worth a lot more money internally to Everton than he is to, 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 the, on, to the watcher. But they're, they're just £60 million for Anthony. When, when you have Callum hudson Adoy. Someone who has done maybe more, if not, you know, not that much less than than Anthony Gordon in the Premier League. And you're sending him out on loan to Leverkusen, which I think is a good move for him, but I think he needs first team football. So I think that's a good move. But and then Anthony Gordon is saying it will help him with his World Cup chances, not playing. That no, yeah, it's not gonna help you with your World Cup chances. In in the same way, you know, if it, and I don't think Gordon will get into the World Cup squad, but if he does six if he has six months of Everton, or even if he doesn't get into the World Cup squad this year, I don't expect him to. If he if he has two good years with Everton, he sticks with Everton, or, or you know, may, and, and gets that experience under his belt, then that, there could be a real talk about Anthony Gordon being in the in the England squad for for the next Euros or for the, some of the Nations League squads that we're, when we're not taking it so serious, you know. So, but sixty million for Anthony Gordon, Oli, I, I no. Yeah, I, I think this is a, it's just so. Like, why? I mean, Chelsea had an absolute atrocious window in terms of failures and stuff like that. They've signed some players, which granted are, uh, are very good players. But um, yeah, this is this one's just confusing. I've seen a lot of people on, a lot of Chelsea fans taking their anger out on Twitter as well. £70 million. I keep seeing a video going around as well for uh, with his like goals and he's never meant yeah, to score a goal or something. Uh, <laughs> and it's, just, it's funny. It's, really it's, it's just, this is just really huge. I would love for it to happen. It means, you know, that they've got less money in the bank to spend elsewhere. But yeah. If you, uh, we'll move on to another player that they really want in Fafana, but they can't seem to do a price tag. Not going to lie. It'll be outrageous money to go and do 150 mil for Fafana, but you might as well do that and then get 
Gordon. I, I just yeah. don't think, I just don't, I don't really rate him. I've not seen loads, of, I haven't seen him play loads. He's not played loads, probably the reason why I've not seen him play loads. But he, he's not led the line amazingly well. Yeah, He's not scoring. Right, he's not a striker. To be yeah, he's not, he's not a striker, really. no. But I mean, if ever, be realistic here. If Everton didn't sell Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin's fit, they've got Dwight McNitt, is Gordon getting into that starting lineup for Everton? And if Possibly, so, maybe, and it, yeah, and not exactly, like, yeah, exactly. he's not the guy. It's not, it's not a sold on one. So why are Chelsea looking at bringing him in if he's not even a solid starter for Everton? I mean, yeah, okay, you can tell and say he's a youngster, he's got this. But whereas Neto, you know, he's you, you look at him and he, he's a starter for Wolves, and you know, you can see that he has the ability there to go on to be something big. For me, Anthony Gordon just looks like a very average sort of player and I think one of the big things the reason why he's doing this is because he's more of like a homegrown player and stuff like that and like you said with um, Everton and uh, his price to them I just think this is ludicrous and I honestly think Everton should snap the things off I know Lampard said he's not mm. selling him uh, not uh, Lampard no it is Lampard yeah, it is Lampard. Yeah, it is Lampard. Yeah, yeah. Go, going around circles there. I, I doubted myself then and instantly regretted doubting myself. Um, yeah, no, at, take 70 mil. Maybe push 90 mil if they're going to do 70. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. It is ridiculous. The, the, only reason, the only reason Everton aren't selling, like, in, you know, I don't know enough. I don't know nothing about Everton's internal affairs, but I guarantee they have no plan for Thrift Gordon was to go. They would have no plan oh, yeah, to spend no. the money. Their whole transfer, aside from Onana, which looks to be a genuinely good signing, and Tarkowski, and um, McNeil's had a poor start, but I mean, I'm sure he'll come good. They just look like they have no plan in certain areas. I mean, they still have Rondon up front. I, I don't. I both teams. We talk about Everton and Chelsea. They need a striker, <laughs> and they're not going for him. Instead, you know, we've seen the whole situation with with Fofana, where now Fofana is training with Leicester's development squad. He's made it very clear that he wants to leave. He's his heart's not in it. Yeah, I see Leicester fans on on Twitter. His heart's not in it. He's playing poorly. It's like he doesn't really care. He just wants to get out. Look, what do you even do in that situation? Because you don't want to lose Fofana. But him playing bad is not a good advertisement for him getting a move to a, a bigger team in Chelsea and playing in, in elite competition. Although we do know Fafana is good. Surely you're not advertising yourself in the best way by throwing a massive strop and, you know, playing badly. The thing the thing with Fafana is, and I think Leicester needs to look at it, he really wants to lead. Okay, it's very similar. You can draw um, comparisons between Anthony for Man United here in the fact that he really wants to leave Ajax. Ajax don't want to sell him. Man United are looking to bid £90 million. Um, Chelsea are looking to bid £90 million for Fafana. They're very, very similar in the way they're doing this. If I'm Leicester, though, and I'm thinking, no, we've dropped him to, to uh, the uh, development teams, the youth teams. He really wants to go. Uh, if we keep him for another season, it's just a year less on his contract, which means there's a price dropping him there. If he doesn't want to play for them, he's not going to be putting performances that we've come to see from him. So his value is probably going to drop again there because currently it does seem a bit unprofessional in the way that he is like basically refusing to play and not do all this. So it's just going to drop his value more and more. And at this moment in time, Chelsea are desperate for uh, a, a centre-back. They cannot be playing Reese James uh, in a centre-back position. That is just criminal, taken away from his full-back um, or wing-back position. So I think those really need to cash in. I honestly do think that we could see Fafana join Chelsea in a £100 million move. And I think that is mental. Yeah, OK, he's a great player. And unlike Neto, he is showing that he is definitely one for the future. Like, you can probably bank on that. But £100 million, I think, is a bit mental. I think they'll be much better off. And I think what would be more realistic for Chelsea anyway would be to say, look, we'll give you £65 million, £70 million or something like this. Yeah. Even a lot of money. And then just give Leicester a fairly big sell-on fee. 
I think that's probably a more realistic thing. So then, you know, they've both got that security there. But yeah, this is mental. I mean, Leicester are known for selling their centre-backs for ridiculous prices. Harry Maguire went for like £80 million or whatever <laughs> it was. So ridiculous. yeah, so it, it doesn't surprise me there. But Chelsea are desperate and I think Leicester are taking full advantage of that. But Brendan Rodgers did say, in, to add on quickly, I spoke really quickly there, to add on, uh, Brendan Rodgers did say in the press uh, call today, so yesterday for you guys listening, if you're listening when the day goes out, um, that everything will be made clear Um after the transfer deadline day. And I was like, no shit, Sherlock. Obviously it will. The transfer thing will be closed. Yeah. But I mean, that, I'm not sure you can take that either way you want it. Everything will be clear as if to say, you know, he's not going with standing on that or everything will be clear. He is selling. For me, I would say he probably is going to leave. This player really wants to move. And normally if a player mm. wants to move and if they're dropped to the development team, it's normally a sign that they're leaving. So yeah, I think I think that uh, probably is a, is a done deal. And I think it's going to be around 100 mil. That is a bold prediction, but it could be one that pays off. Leicester do, will need to sign a centre-back if they get rid of Fana because he is head and shoulders their best defender. So they, they will be in need of a centre-back if they do. And maybe that's also part of the reason why they're, they're very not they're very certain that Fana won't leave because they know that if he goes, you can't rely on what they have at the minute. They've had a really poor start to the season and defensively poor as well. I mean, so it'll, it, be a, it'll be another last-minute signing like Vestergaard, didn't yeah. they? That last-minute last time. Yeah, and that, so. that was a bad move. That turned yeah. out really bad. So they really, it, The pressure's on for, for Leicester, really, in just every sense at, at this current point. They, they need a centre-back. They need to improve or else Rodgers will be out of his job. So it's, there's so much going into deadline days. Probably, hopefully, will be one of the more exciting deadline days we have. But they're often quite overhyped. But maybe there'll be a big move, maybe for Fana, 100 million to... To Leicester, are we to Chelsea. Sorry, are we calling that for deadline. Oh, oh, Ollie Barefoot called that here. So you know, if you see Fabrizio <laughs> calling it in the daytime, it's me. It's me. <laughs> in the know. In the know. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for watching. Um, we will see you next in two weeks' time. We'll hopefully Liverpool have improved. Hope there's been some <laughs> fantastic transfer deals as well. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, Once Football UK, um, and check out our website as well, OneFootball.com, for the latest articles by a growing list of contributors around the world. See you later. <laughs>